Into the great Scott show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. A lot of football talk today, and why not? Week two of the NFL tonight, Chargers and the Chiefs on Prime. We've uh, talked to Jake DeLome earlier, got into a lot of football talk with him. Jake played in the league, knows the sport well, the color commentator for the Panthers on their radio network. Uh, lots of experience, and I figured it'd be perfect to uh, – you know, I have another guest on this morning that uh, spent no time in the league, uh, bases his opinions uh, uh, on halfway fact and halfway kind of just, you know, maybe alcohol-induced or how he's feeling that day. Ralph Malbro, my friend, uh, Saints historian, writer, host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, joins us here on this Thursday. Ralph, the um, I know, I know it was, you know, five days ago, but... And you guys talked about it on the big show Monday night that, that, that went over the Falcons. I don't know, man, it's getting a little sweeter each day. You know, it's, after- it's all timer. All time. Like it's to me, it's definitely a top five saints moment. I mean, a regular season, like you can put the Gleason dome return at number one. And if you put Sunday at number two, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight you. I'm just going to be like, wasn't it amazing? I mean, they, it was basically the greatest heist, heist in Saints history, and it's Atlanta, and it's even the series, and, like, Arthur Smith had a little, you know, a meltdown after the game and walked off like a toddler. Like, it was, it just had everything you could ever want, and the fact that Atlanta just keeps collapsing and collapsing it doesn't matter who the coach is it doesn't matter who the quarterback it's like in their dna is just hilarious beyond words like you talk about like enjoyment like sure it would have been fun to beat them like 45 to nothing and like laugh at them because they were so terrible but the way that it happened scott it kind of made it better and i'll be honest there was not a single solitary second in that football game <laughs> I thought the Saints were going to win. Even when they were down 26-24, even when they kicked the field goal, Lattimore had the penalty, and Koo was lying. I'm like, the Saints, they blew it. They, they had, Lattimore did something dumb, and Koo's going to kick this 63-yard, 62-yard field goal in, and it's going to be horrible. Like, I never believed for a second they were going to win, and I think that made it more amazing the fact that they actually did. I'm, I'm honest. It's, we're, we're in a circle of trust here, right? Like, I'll be honest. Like, when it was 26 times. Like, it's done. Like, this is horrible. They have five yards of passing. But, it, you know, some kind of way, miracles are real. It was. I was talking to Luke Johnson earlier this week, and he was right. He's like, you know, when, when your team has a crazy comeback, and as far as the Saints go, they had never been down 16 in the fourth quarter of a game and won until now been down 15 they had had some cup but never 16 so you set a new franchise record in that mark regard but he said listen when things like that happen it usually takes the other team screwing up and you're you know the team that wins doing everything right and the ball bouncing their way like that's not what happened i mean the saints had huge mistakes like game lose multiple game losing mistakes in the fourth quarter amid the comeback and still somehow managed to win and i'm like that's just that's the Falcons, man. They like they're like the reverse of the rig carnival game where you actually can never win. They're That's they're right. like the carnival booth where it's like 
no, listen, you missed the first two. Now I'm going to rig it to make sure you win because we just always find ways to epically lose. I, I don't, I, I, it's, it was hilarious. I mean, it took a while to sort of process it all and move on and just, you know, talk about a, a lot of the issues the Saints showed in week one of the season, which is always the biggest overreaction to any uh, week of the NFL season because, you know, the lack of preseason reps, all that stuff. But that's beside the point. From just a, a Saints-Falcons standpoint, it was just another another glorious moment in, in both teams' histories. And the Falcons' pain, coupled with the fact that it was against the Saints, just made for the perfect recipe for opening week. And you're right. Long-term, might it have been better to see the Saints crisp and dominant and all that? Yes. Would it have been as fun? No, I don't think so. Not seeing them blow another big double-digit lead late and blowing it to a team in the Saints that didn't even play well and still managed to beat them. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the Saints is I don't know what it is with them in the read option, but whatever plan they have, like they just need to throw it in the trash because the read option, it, kill, it kills them. Like, And the thing is, I think it's partly that they try to dial back the aggressiveness and have contained, but I think part of it is like their defensive tackles even on Yamada, like, he he wasn't as good as he had been last year. I mean, Atlanta was blowing holes wide open and running the dive. Um, so I don't know – I don't even know really what you take from it because I feel like Atlanta, they clearly, like, played their people more in the preseason and were more ready, and they had some exotic, weird things they were running on defense and offense. So I don't even know what you take from it besides the fact that my thing with division games are – Division games get weird. Like, don't view them for like future predictions or success or failure. Like, it's just it's just Saints Falcons, and sometimes it takes you into a parallel dimension where things get really, really wacko. ESPN Lafayette, it was it was whack on Sunday, no doubt about it. But um, it's in the rear view, and now you've got the Buccaneers coming to the Mercedes Benz Superdome. Um, a, a team that many think will win the NFC South. It's kind of split between the Bucks and the Saints. Saints have had their number in the regular season, but it's week two. The Saints looked awfully rusty for most of the game last Sunday. Tampa looked okay, but they were playing a Dallas team that looks like they're dead in the water. So, what are your like? What what are your honest feelings? Not so much looking at at the last couple of years, but just the last couple of days as it pertains to this matchup Sunday. Well, the thing is with the Saints is they need, you know, we'll have to see, um, uh, we'll have to see what happens with the, the injury report. They need a Debo if he's on schedule to play. They need him because Tampa has a bunch of receivers. But that aside, Scott, the Tampa offensive line is kind of a disaster. And I know it didn't really get noticed against Dallas because Dallas was even a disaster from top to bottom on offense. But Tampa's not going to have their center. They're not going to have their guard. They're not going to have their left tackle. And, like, the Saints, the last couple years, have given it to Brady. Like, everyone else in the NFL, Brady never ages. He's ageless. He's just a superhero. He's going to play forever. But when he plays the Saints, Scott, he looks every bit of 45 years old. And that's the key. Like, the Saints, that defensive line that was terrible against Atlanta and couldn't get any pressure, they got to get to Brady. And when they get to him, like, the Saints force him into mistakes, and they can cover 
those receivers for Tampa. Um, to me, the most fascinating thing with Tampa is Julio looks really good. Like, I don't know if he can last because he's old and it's just me too, but, like, if he is one of those Tampa people that, like, finds the fountain of youth, that makes them incredibly difficult to defend. But I just – the thing is, Scott, and you know this football, not to be X's and O's, but if you have trouble on your lines, like, you can't hide that forever. Like, Brady can't hide that. No one can. And I just expect the Saints on Sunday, like, they've got to get after this ball. If, if they can't get – if they don't get to Brady on Sunday with a raucous home crowd, then I think you have a couple weeks of, like, oof, they're not getting pressure. What's up with this? So we'll just have to see. But it's a, it's a completely different world from Atlanta, so I expect them to play better. Yeah, I mean, speaking of O-line, though, I mean, that was my number one concern about the Saints coming into this season. Last Sunday did nothing to um, – make me get off of that take because you know they weren't they weren't great now it wasn't all on the old line and Dennis Allen pointed out you know they didn't pick this up I mean there was one play where the Saints had six blockers they kept the running back back Atlanta only rushed three and they still got straight to the quarterback so I get it they're they're rusty they got a lot of work to do but man they are just they are they do not have the depth there you know what I mean they are they are thin there, and I, I, it's always going to be that big worry for me week to week because if you have a string of injuries to the O-line, Ralph, I, I think you're not going to lose the rest of your games, but it's game over as far as actually you know, doing, doing anything in the postseason this year. I really believe Well, that. yeah, I mean, look, every NFL team is basically like one injury away from not a calamity on the, on the offensive line, but you've got to reshuffle, and it's a crisis, right? And the thing with the Saints, Trevor Penning hurt his foot. He's going to be back in November. I think he can still contribute and have a decent rookie year. But, like, their contingency plan at left tackle is at the bottom of the ocean, right? And here's my thing about James Hurst. The idea of James Hurst at left tackle is always better than the reality. Like, James Hurst is one of those guys where they're like, he is a great backup. He is a luxury item. But once you start seeing him play week after week, you're like, we need something better. So um, that's the issue with the Saints and, and with Caesar re-struggling and that sort of thing. The one thing I will say is McCoy and Jameis, they got it together in the fourth quarter. Like you could see the Saints were having mass confusion. Dean Pease for Atlanta, he does exotic stuff. And they had the Saints on tilt. But Jameis and McCoy, they got it together in that fourth quarter and they fixed it. So that gives me hope that they'll be on the right path. And the thing is, Scott, you know, it's one thing not to play the starters in the preseason, which the Saints hardly did, except they, they played them against the Chargers. And they probably only did that because Jameis missed two weeks of practice. And, like, that, that matters. Like, it, it, it might not matter for Brady because he can go away for 11 days, but he wasn't hurt. Jameis was hurt almost all of last year. He's coming back off a knee. He needed those two weeks to get in sync with Michael Thomas, to get in sync with the line. Like, it, it matters, and the Saints are very fortunate. <laughs> the Falcons are just masters of collapse. But I think, I think that matters, um, and we'll see how it goes a Sunday. But I think the thing is, too, and, 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 and it kind of got lost in the shuffle last year of that. And by the way, when you talk about all-time Saints ridiculous games, the win on Halloween last year 
I'm not saying it's a top five moment all time in Saints history for regular season, but if you want to rank the most ridiculous game wins in Saints history, the fact that the Saints are throwing to fullbacks Tommy Arma and Trevor Sivian's throwing go routes to Kevin White and they beat Tom Brady, like that will never not be hilarious to me. But in that game, Jameis is about to cook Tampa. I know their secondary is better and it's healthy, but I'm thinking Jameis, gonna, Jameis is going to have a big game Sunday, and I know, you know he wants to stick it to Tampa. He's going to smile and say all the right stuff during the week. He said it some this week, but you know he wants to, he wants to stick it in Tampa's face on Sunday. Are you surprised Tampa's uh, about a, you know, a three-point favorite right now on most, most lines? No, I mean, look, Vegas. Vegas is going to Tampa. Tampa is a public. Tampa is a public team because Brady is a star, right? So Tampa will go back to being irrelevant when Brady's gone. But when Brady's there and they're still winning and competitive, they're as public a team as the Packers, as the Chiefs. You know, not Dallas because they're Dallas is sunk and sinking. But there, I would say, if you looked at the betting, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the numbers in front of me. But I would bet you the public bets Tampa every week as much as any team. And when that happens, Vegas is going to inflate that line just a little. Like that line should probably be it's 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 three right now. It got bet up to three. I guess because of the Sunday night game with Brady. Really, that line, should, to me, Scott, should be like one, one and a half, but that line is cause, it's because of Brady. Like, he inflates the line. Speaking of Brady, I, I think this look, this weird look of his, I think he's just yeah. trying to play Gozer in whatever the next Ghostbuster movie is. Like, you remember <laughs> what the villain looked like? That's what he looks like. It's like... It looks like... It, look, it looks like Gozer. It's very... It's very odd. I know his, you know, I, 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 look, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to be disrespectful. I know he's having some mental issues. They're working it out. I just mean literally just looking at him. He's, he looks like too thin, right? He looks gaunt. He looks gaunt, right? Right. The thing is, you know, I'll steal this from Bomani Jones from his podcast. You know, Brady, he had to miss 10, 11 days because here's the thing. When he retired, deposits were made. And promises were made, and promises needed to be kept. And I, I think that's what that was. I don't think it was him on the mass Singer. I don't think it was like a plastic surgery or anything. But he does. He looks. He just looks. He looks like that old picture. It's a, it's a famous U.S. senator, John C. Calhoun, where you look at the picture and it just haunts your soul because he's so gaunt and thin, and his eyes are like bugging out of his head. Tom Brady reminded me not only of Gozer, like you said, but John C. Calhoun, uh, uh, political figure in the in the eighteen hundreds, around the right around before the Civil War, and it's just the most creepy painting you ever saw in your life. That's what Brady, he really does look like. It. I don't know, maybe he's gone to the extreme with the TB twelve diet. If look, as far as Sunday goes, if they get pressure on him from the inside, they win. I mean, they win. That's 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 not a new. Mm-hmm. They don't have any kind of special playbook. That's what's worked against him. And if he has time to throw and they don't get a lot of pressure, I don't think the Saints win because I think he's able to to do a lot of work. I mean, uh, turnovers and all that other stuff aside, that's really what it always comes down to when these two teams play. And, you know, they, they were able to do it somewhat in the playoff game, but not nearly the same way they did in the other four. And the Saints, of course, turned it over. Thank you, Jared Cook, in that playoff game. But 
in those other ones, they just they constantly got pressure, particularly from the inside, and it made a guy that leads every passing statistic ever, um, you know, less than average. I mean, that's that's well, the key to slowing them down. And there, and you mentioned it, their old line a little beat up right now. But 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 Ralph, let's not act like the Saints' D line looked good on Sunday. I mean, they were they they were they were awful. They didn't get any kind of pressure at all on Mariota. Any, they didn't get any. They had one hit on. They had one hit on Mariota. And the thing with the Saints in the Tampa game is even in the playoff game, like Brady was barely above 50%. He didn't throw for 200 yards. Like they've gotten after him. And the, the, the thing that really has allowed them to ramp up that pressure is you look at all of the, all of the Tampa games, even the one in Halloween where Tampa made a furious comeback and it took a minor miracle for the Saints to win. They were ahead in that game. Like all these games in the regular season, the Saints have at one point in three of the four, they've, they ended up, they, I think in all of them, they've ended up winning by more than one score. But they've always got ahead of them. And the thing is, once the Saints get ahead, well, then it's like, oh, he's 45. He's a statue. We know where he's going to be. Let's go get him. And Tampa's never really gotten in the game where, you know, they're up 13-6 to six and they can run Fournette a little bit. They always chasing against the Saints. And I wouldn't be surprised in this game, Scott, if Tampa comes out and is like, hey, Saints, you stunk it up against Atlanta. We're going to see if we can shove you around and jam Leonard, jam Leonard Fournette down your gullet. And it would be a little weird because you think when you think of Tampa, you think of Brady, you think of receivers, you think of Mike Evans and all that. But I think that's the plan for Tampa. I think they're going to say, hey, let's try to get ahead of the Saints and see if we can change the script on these games. Um, so I think one of the keys to the Saints is, you're right, the defensive line's got to play better, but they got to they got to stop Leonard, Leonard Fournette, who I was told weighed like 800 pounds in training camp, but he didn't weigh 800 pounds Sunday night against the Man, he looked good, didn't he? <laughs> he, looked, he, did. he looked good. He did not look like uh, Eddie Lacy there at the end of his career. He looked like Leonard <laughs> Fournette, and he was he was manhandling some people. Um Ralph Malbro has been our guest at Saints Forecast on Twitter. Ralph, uh, the Saints Happy Hour podcast, one of my favorites, and you and Juge and Dave and Kevin, it's always entertaining. Uh, I know a lot of our listeners, you know, they subscribe, they listen. I get texts from listeners anytime I ever talk with you. Even even when I was on the spaces with you, when I was just like still in shock from Sunday's game, somebody oh mentioned it to me. So, uh, But you guys uh, do a, a live show in New Orleans tomorrow? We, Is that right? We are. Port Orleans, uh, and Andrew's very friendly with Zach Streif, and he's, he's been a very good friend of the program. He is allowing us, because he's part owner of Port Orleans, he's allowing us to do a live show Friday night, 7 o'clock. Of course, New Orleans time will start like 7.10, 7.15, and we are going to have a blast. God, we got If you RSVP, go to Saint, wherever you find St. Happy or just search it on Google or wherever. Click the RSVP link. And we are giving away the boys are back. It's a Jarvis Landry and Honey Badger Mardi Gras cup. And the first 125 people that RSVP get it. We have only have like six or seven of them left. So we're going to have a raucous crowd. Like my wife, who is a wedding planner, has planned this event, hopefully meticulously, with a stage and trivia and giveaways. And it's going to be ridiculously fun and it can't get any better than the Saints are one and zero, and they're hosting Tom Brady on Sunday. We'll get you ready for it. It's just going to be, it's just going to be a great night 
Uh, it doesn't cost anything. Come out to Port Orleans if you're in New Orleans uh, and hang out with us. It's going to be a great night. Yeah, man, I wish I could be there. I've got work and some dad duties, but uh, if I could, I would. It sounds like a blast. And uh, the show is always fun. If you're listening, go subscribe. Check out Ralph's writing for WWLTV.com. And, of course, you hear him occasionally right here on The Great Scott Show. Appreciate the time, my friend. All the best, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Scott.